Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. Um, if you tried to listen to this episode earlier, you probably noticed we were having some serious technical difficulties. So thank you so much for sticking with us and coming back to hear what was a really great and important episode. I got to speak to Tyler uh, Corella about long-term health issues with micropremies, asthma, and some amazing work with March of Dimes. So thank you for coming back to listen. Um, few quick little things we hit a hundred thousand listeners so humbled really excited and so incredibly grateful thank you so much everyone um that is entirely all of you sharing um these episodes because we don't advertise so i can't tell you how much that means to all of us we have a lot of big plans with the podcast next year so if you could go over to our website invisiblenotbroken.com and just sign up for our newsletter. I, we only send it out once a month. Nothing ever gets shared. But we have some exciting things that we're thinking about doing in the next um, year or so. And we would really love your input. That being said, we also have a Patreon account. We don't take advertisers. And um, we would really love for there to be a way for um, the Patreon to, to cover our expenses for keeping the podcast running. So if you can and are able to and you get value out of the show, we would just really appreciate anything you can do on the Patreon account. And if you could share that around, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Okay, so we're going to be talking today about being a preemie. And you have like something that my father has, COPD. No, yeah. Um, I actually just found that out pretty um, pretty recently. Um, last time I went to visit my um, general practitioner, it is um, an asthma and COPD overlap. Um, it was something I didn't even know. Like <laughs> Because it, you didn't need just one. You, you need to no, just keep yeah, going. And they were doing all these um, just random breathing tests, and they're all like, oh, yeah, so it sounds like um, you might have this thing, which is called an asthma and COPD overlap. So, you know, people get generally get asthma and COPD pretty confused because it's pretty common, um, really related to each other. Um, so I was pretty surprised. I'm all like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I didn't know. When I saw it on your, your list, I was really shocked because COPD tends to be older people. But exactly. Yeah. Like people over 60 and I'm all like, wait, really? My dad's definitely over 60 and yeah, that's when he got it. That's um, <laughs> so Tyler. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in that group where people are like, no, you're too young to have that. That's, that's crazy. I hate. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a shock for sure. Most of the things that I found out I had kind of like shocked <laughs> me and I'm all like, oh, really? <laughs> Well, let's get through the list. Yeah, let's do it. So, oh man, there's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, seriously, to get your notes, like for show notes, I always link up with like Mayo Clinic and, and NHIS on like what everyone has on show notes. And it took me about a half an hour to get through all of yours. Oh, wow. Yeah, th- that was a long list. <laughs> okay. Hey, I mean, wow. But yeah. Um, so I guess the most prevalent one, people usually ask me, the one that I deal with the most um, commonly every single day would likely be asthma. That's, um, that's typically yeah, what, my, what I go through day to day, what affects me the most, what I have to sort of manage um, the most uh, as far as symptoms and as far as um, taking daily medication. 
Um, but I do also deal with quite a few other things, some related to my prematurity, some just happen to be out of, out of luck. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had asthma and then I found out I had a COPD overlap with that as well. And then I do also have a few other um, typical things that happens um, when you also have asthma. Like um, I also found out when you have asthma, you're twice as likely to also have um, atopic dermatitis which is also commonly known as eczema. So it's just basically um, all these different things that you can get just because, you know, you're super sensitive to, you know, whether it be, you know, things in the air or allergies or different things like that. Yeah, that was, um, it's so funny. It's like with Elder Stainless, it's like all these weird things that you would never expect go together. And I would yeah. never think asthma and eczema are like best friends and no, can't yeah. be separated. Yeah. So, so what is your daily management for, for your asthma? What does that look like? Um, so honestly, people think it's like this whole big out thing because I have to deal with it every day, but honestly it's not. So I take two different um, medications. I take a uh, long-term um, inhaled corticosteroid, as well as an emergency rescue um, steroid. I do also have a breathing machine on the side, but um, typically when you get older um, into your later teens, um, you don't really require it as much. Um, it's mainly meant for younger children who don't know how to manage their symptoms. So how does this work out for you? Like with, I just hear the word steroids and I start getting like palpitations and nervous does it is it different when you have to inhale it than when you have to like or I, i'm sorry you're not inhaling it, you're taking the pills does it have the same sort of side effects that <laughs> um no actually luckily for me i i went with the um inhaled route um rather than the pills um honestly mm, i mean i've read up on some of the some of the symptoms that it can cause and i would definitely be like oh yeah i totally have that but i think it's definitely um way more manageable um, than taking a pill every single day. Um, luckily, um, what I do is I have to take my long-term twice a day. The long-term sort of keeps it away to prevent an attack from um, happening if it unfortunately ever should. Um, so I take that um, as soon as I wake up and as soon as I go to bed, and I usually have to use my rescue maybe about mm, like three times, three times a week just because you know, like symptoms will start coming on, you know, you get shortness of breath and wheezing and coughing. And then if it ever gets too extreme, then, you know, that's when you got to go a little bit more direct, um, whether it be like using a machine, using more of the steroids you're already taking or, you know, things like that. So did that, was that an issue at school? I remember with my son's inhaler, it was like this huge issue where he couldn't just have the inhaler on him. He had to go to the office and go to the nurses. Did you have that stuff with when you were growing up? <laughs> so yeah, I did. Like I said, I've had asthma my entire life. So I've definitely been around the block a few times um, <laughs> in terms of um, what that looks like. So yeah, when I was um, at school, it was mainly a lot more of an issue when I was younger, because obviously I didn't know how to manage it. But now that like when I got into high school, I'm all like, oh, you know, I know how to do this. And it was um, really funny because, I mean, I'm sure as most schools, you're not allowed to have medication on you, like on your person, whether it be on you or in your bag. I'm like, you know, that would just be so much hassle for me to go down to the nurse every single like day and do it that way. So I just, I kept it on me. And luckily I never had too many 
strenuous classes. I did take gym um, my senior year because I pawned it off for so long. And luckily, um, my coach, my coach knew, um, and my gym teacher, they were super cool about it. Um, and I also was also doing track that year. So again, everybody was just super cool about it. They're like, oh yeah, take it when you need it. And yeah, it really wasn't too big of an issue for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was a real um, annoyance for him of having to like stop class, run to office, miss all of class, come back. So that's, but you're no. in a very different state. We have very different laws here about what the kids can and can't bring to school. It gets really um, interesting sometimes. So you've been dealing with this like since day one. Do you want to kind yeah. of explain the situation that brought you to there? And Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, like, um, you were explaining, so I was born, um, a micro preemie, um, yeah, so I was born at 25 weeks gestation, 15 weeks early, um, my due date was in March, and I was born on the last day of December in 99, um, so I spent three and a half, almost four months, um, in the neonatal intensive care unit, um, down here in Phoenix, um, so yeah, been um, something that I've dealt with my um, entire life. It was just due to the massive amounts of lung tissue that had built up in the scar tissue and, you know, being underdeveloped, it leaves you at more of an, a risk for exposure to, you know, things like chronic lung disease. So is that, <laughs> try to figure out like how this works is in your head, like as a, you think, okay, well, preemie born, preemie did okay, got home from NICU, everything should be fine. But I'm guessing that's not, that's not how that story worked out or usually works out. You, you ended up with lung scar tissue and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure of the full process, which I mean, I probably should, <laughs> but um, so yeah, typically, yeah, with preemies, it just happens again, obviously, because, you know, they're so underdeveloped and they're on, you know, all these different breathing tubes and machines and wires um, and cannulas and, you know, things like that, um, being exposed to, you know, not in the womb, it leaves them, you know, with all these greater disadvantages, um, you know, happening to them. And luckily, you know, the March of Dimes is fighting for ways to, you know, sort of um, prevent that from happening. And luckily, there have been a lot of advancements made, especially towards um, micro preemies, but also their, their mothers as well, to ensure that they have healthy and longer term pregnancies. And so you got involved with March of Dimes, right? I did, yeah. I was I was 15 when I joined, so I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and it actually happened um, because one of uh, my other good friends was involved with it as well. I didn't know that he was a preemie doll, and he, this was the first year that he was doing a fundraiser. And so I talked with him. I'm all like, hey, you know, let me know if there's anything... I can do, you know, I kind of want to jump on board, you know, see what I can do. Let's get this bigger. Let's get it better. Let's, you know, see what we can do. So we went and we talked to our principal about it and he said, you know, let's do it. And I've been doing it for four years now. Um, last year was my last year. I decided that I wanted to sort of um, broaden my horizons a little bit and sort of um, expand into something new. And what's that something new? Um, so we're kind of still in the, my team and I were kind of still in the early stages um, of what we're deciding to do. But so far, it looks like um, we're going to stick with our main focus of um, children and uh, child health care. Um, so it looks, we've partnered with a photographer out here. Her name is Darian Klaus. 
um, who is a maternal photographer, and she runs a project known as the Rainbow Baby Project. Um, it deals with, so a rainbow baby is a baby that, um, a baby following a miscarriage or um, a baby who has died, whether it be, you know, stillborn miscarriage or um, after infancy. Um, so that was, um, that's likely the route that we'll be taking this year. So you say you have a team. This sounds very involved. I, I, I'm kind of baffled. So what, what do you mean by you have a team? What, what's the project that you're, how, how does this, too much coffee, not enough painkillers. Um, words will actually start coming in a, a logical order. <laughs> what is the end goal for what you're looking to do? Are you, are you looking to build a foundation? What are you looking for? Oh yeah. Um, I'll admit I've, I've thought of it. Um, in terms of, I would definitely say I'm not very realistic when it comes to my ideas and people that I work with can definitely vouch for like, oh no, that's way too, we can't do that, we can't afford that. But no, um, when I say like my team, so these are um, people who have been helping me um, since I was in high school. They're um, a lot of my friends that I you know, went to high school with and they really helped me to sort of um, make a name for, for what I've been doing, for what we've been doing. Um, we're just basically just a group of teens, you know, who want to make a difference. And that's what we've been doing. And we do it on our own accord. We make our own meetings. We do our own photo shoots. And, you know. I want to hear more about this because right now, like, the teen movement is kind of one of the most powerful movements we have here in the United States. It's really exciting to watch. Uh, I don't remember being like this as a teenager. So can you help me a little bit with what what is your goal here with, with your foundation? How can people who are listening help? Yeah. So, um, and what is your foundation called? What are you <laughs> naming this? Well, honestly, we're not actually like a full, like nonprofit, um, organization. That is definitely something again, I've thought about. Um, but you know, obviously when life gets in the way, you have other things to, to worry about. Um, but again, we're not um, any sort of named foundation. We're not with anybody. We're not with any sort of uh, corporation or business. Again, we're just like a group of teens. We're all like, we reach out um, to a cause that we think is worthy. We're all like, hey, we want to raise money for you. We want to try to do as much as we can. And that's what we do. And we start planning from there. Like we're in the beginning stages right now of helping, um, again, like I said, a local photographer out here in Arizona who's running her own um, project, not necessarily a nonprofit. Um, so what we do, you know, we go through, we schedule these meetings where we sit down and we're like, hey, this is what we want to do. And we reach out to a lot of other businesses and um, schools out here um, in Arizona, see if they want to help. Um, and that's, that's what they do, whether it be, you know, creating awareness, letting people know, or whether it's... Um, helping us rent out venues or spaces or, you know, even donating money. That's amazing. So what could someone who's listening to this going, yeah, I want to back this up, do for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would, that would be amazing. Again, we're kind of in the stages right now where we want to, we want to do more than what we've been doing. And obviously it's a little bit hard because we, you know, we're all teenagers, you know, trying to find our own balance on top of, you know, with what we're already trying to do. So I so explain to me balance for you because you're managing quite a few conditions and I'm guessing you're still in school are you still in high school or are you in college now <laughs> um yeah I'm in I'm in college um I am just doing um online college um for right now before I decide to transfer to 
hopefully at university. Um, but yeah, so it was actually, that was partially the reason why I ended up doing um, online college was because of, you know, the difficulties that I was already facing. Um, and it definitely, I could tell after I graduated high school, it got a lot more prevalent. Um, so as embarrassing as this might be like say to everyone. So yeah, I'm almost 20. I'll be 20 in December. I don't have my license. And then people are always so flabbergasted when I tell them that. I'm all like, it's not my fault, I promise. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, another thing I dealt with when I was um, born premature, I had a um, condition known as retinopathy of prematurity. It um, enlarges the blood vessels behind your eye and your brain. Um, and if not caught early enough, it can cause um, permanent blindness. Um, so that was something I went with. That was the very first surgery I had to correct um, the vision in my eyes. Um, so, and people always ask me how that is um, today. And, you know, by looking at me, people would never guess um, that I ever had anything wrong with like the way that I see, especially because I wear contacts and um, I, wear I wear glasses and all that. But um, you know, people always ask me. So then when I went um, to the DMV, I failed my vision test the first time. And I'm like, oh, great. So that's, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I just followed up with my eye doctor and my vision. Um, it has gotten better over the years, but I am legally blind um, in my left eye. Um, so it definitely makes <laughs> driving more of a concern and an issue um, more than a standard teenager. That's that's a fair point. How does Uber and Lyft factor into your life, or do you just rely on the the kindness of family? And I I'm in a very similar boat. It's not my eyes; it's my my legs dislocate very easily. So I I tend to have to rely on everyone as well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's definitely a frightening thing if you're thinking about driving and at any minute your femur can just pop out of your your oh socket. So I totally hear you in that. It, try being 42 and being like, hey, I don't know if I can drive. <laughs> It, it definitely gets more and more embarrassing as that goes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so um, I have had to rely on Uber and Lyft a few times, especially when I was um, working and still going to school full time. But um, now I sort of have it um, under a manageable situation. But luckily, um, I have two very amazing, very gracious and loving parents who um, have me at their whim to use. So. <laughs> That's that is lovely to have the I I'm in a very similar space where I could not get around without my mom. It's it's amazing oh, they're always yeah, still I there. I'd probably just sit at home all day. I definitely hear that too. And then you start a podcast, and you know that's that's for how <laughs> that shakes down. So how do you find a balance? I'm very curious. With um, you're doing a tremendous amount of it sounds like volunteer work and building up a foundation. Do you have a name for what you're doing? with all of everyone um, together? We we do not. I'm sure I've actually never really put much thought into it. I mean, I'm not even sure how that process would work. Um, Maybe mean, we'll talk after the recording because I, I think yeah. you have like some spot where lightning's going to hit and you should probably have like an actual, you know, if you have a name for it that people could actually like go to. And if we discuss and find something for for Taylor, I will have this in the show notes so that you have a way to contact. How do you guys choose what, what project to take on? So like I said, we, well, it's mainly me. So I run everything. Um, you know, I sort of coordinate what happens and they, they're all awesome. They just blindly follow me and 
you know what I didn't say that they graciously input their all their own ideas all their own opinions um everyone on my team is um so amazing so again I wanted to stick with um sort of child health care after I left the March of Dimes um and so that that was what we what we stuck with that's amazing I, most of the time that we think of it was just like writing a check for something and for you to yeah. like really decide that you're going to create a, a movement. I, I'm very impressed. Did you have any inspiration or anyone who inspired you to go forward with this? Um, I would say there were, there were definitely quite a few people. Again, um, the March of Dimes fundraiser that we were having at our high school um, happened before I even joined. So it was um, partially due to mm, what was already happening. And I'm all like, you know, I can do that. I can totally do that. And um, that's what happened and I went and I talked about it with some people and I'm all like hey you know let's do it and that's what we've been doing um ever since that's that's amazing and I'm also so happy for you that you're of a generation where you have the option for online college that's that had just come up like just baby steps when I got into grad school and that's that's a wonderful thing to have oh yeah definitely it um was definitely while it was my only option, it also makes it a lot easier because my schedule is a lot more flexible. Um, I can sort of do my own routine on top of it and I can take it with me, you know, wherever I go. So we're, it's definitely been an amazing um, thing to be able to have at my disposal. That's pretty fantastic. I'm, I'm actually a little jealous. That's a wonderful <laughs> tool to have. Uh, so when you were dealing with all the asthma and you do have to self-manage even when you're a kid and you're at school, how, how do you, how can caregivers help smaller children get to a good place? Like what can parents do to not overprotect helicopter, but still make sure their kids are, are safe with their care? <laughs> okay. So definitely the number one thing that I would say is definitely just be sure to have an action plan. You know, it can honestly come out of nowhere. It can happen very sporadically and you don't ever want to be in a situation where you feel like, um, it's an emergency. That is the last thing that you want to try to do. And that is the one thing that you want to try to prevent, whether, you know, you have to go to an urgent care or have to go to a hospital. Um, so it's definitely, you know, just talk with your general practitioner or, you know, whoever you visit um, and just make sure that you have an action plan, make sure that um, the medications that you use are working, whether it be, you know, for you or your child. And how do you think that um, caregivers can help work with kids and not scare them and <laughs> still give them the seriousness of behind like what they're doing, but not terrify them. Oof. Um, I mean, I, luckily, I mean, I couldn't say that I ever had that problem when I was, when I definitely, when I was younger, um, but definitely probably just, um, you know, be patient. Kids take everything in different ways and, you know, every, every single kid is different. Um, so again, it's all about just finding what works best for them. Okay. So what do you want people to know about what your daily life is like? It sounds like you've done some amazing ways of, to continue your education, to have really meaningful volunteer work in your life. What do you want people to know about what your days are like? Ooh, what do I want people to know? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, that it is definitely not as easy as it seems. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I already know people are all like, oh yeah, so you know. You just, you know what, you know, you take a few pots off an inhaler and, you know, you're good to go. That's all you have to do. 
And I'm like, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that. <laughs> I'll explain how it's more complicated because I think a lot of people get very confused as to what this looks like. Yeah, definitely. And again, also because I'm dealing with more than one disability at a time. So um, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of different um, factors that play into um, sort of what um, a daily day looks like. Um, so yeah, I just tell people, you know, just always, you know, know what somebody else is going through. Even if you don't, just be kind, you know. That's that's kind of the underlying, I hope 2019, 2020, we just underline the, line the words be kind, like just assume yes. <laughs> that you should like always just assume the best, like don't assume malice unless there's like an actual backed up reason. And be kind is a good one. Even if you don't understand, you can still be kind. Yes, definitely. Um, and I mean, when I was still in high school, it was funny because um, some, I had um, some people that knew. Um, but it was obviously like never something that I brought up. And again, like I was um, saying beforehand, I think there definitely sort of is a stigma that, you know, revolves around what you can see and what you can't, um, especially when it comes to some of the um, more complex um, diseases and disabilities. You know, people question what they don't know, and that's just human nature. That's that's a very kind way to phrase that. <laughs> How did this work out for you for relationships and friendships? Um, I mean, luckily, it, it was never too big of an issue. You know, all my close friends knew, and they're all like, okay. And I'm all like, it was never brought up. And like, so yeah, it was really never an issue for me. That's amazing and wonderful. I'm very glad for you. <laughs> Thank you. I, was, yeah. I have some really amazing people in my life, so. It sounds like you do. I'm, I'm really thrilled for you. It sounds like you have really good people who support you and help you move forward. It sounds like you have a lot that you're moving forward on. I do, yeah. And I'm very fortunate because I couldn't do it um, without really anybody. But I would for sure say like 95% of the props <laughs> go to go to my mom. So I bet she's going to love hearing that. I, I would be openly like crying and smiling if my kids <laughs> ever said something like that. So. She has been my like best friend since since day one she's um given up so many sacrifices for me she's you know done so much um you know also when i was in the NICU she was going through that as well um so it was an ongoing battle and not only mom but like both of my parents so you know i can like even imagine what it would have been like especially since they lost um a baby before that also I just want to hug your parents right now. I, I, my heart like hurts for like what they must have felt like. I, I've been fairly close to that and that's, that's brutal. Yeah, it is definitely a, a scary situation for sure. I'm really glad you're working with the rainbow baby um, thing. That's a, I, I used to be a professional photographer. So we had all heard about a lot of these different um, charities like rainbow babies. And there was another one that I'm blanking on right now, but if anyone wants to get involved in these charities, I'm going to, um, if you go to show notes, I will have links to those charities because they're so important. Uh, and I have friends who are still doing those where they go to the hospitals and to the NICUs to do family photos. So it's, it's important. I'm really glad you, you hooked in with that. Yeah, again, it's it's given me so much to, you know, um, be thankful for, you know, not only spreading awareness, but, you know, to be able to sort of bring the community together in something that is still an ongoing issue. 
you know, especially here in the United States, I mean, surprisingly with all the um, technological advances that, you know, the U.S. has, um, they're, you know, placing average as far as, you know, maternal health care and pregnancies <laughs> and preventing premature birth. So there's always something that somebody can do. Yeah, we just saw a 20% rise in maternal uh, mortality rates, especially among Black women. Yes, that's it's been a real big failing lately in the United States. Is there anything you could think of that maybe um, policy could be different or things that could help with um, making sure that there's uh, forward movement? I'm so sorry. Anyone who's listening to this, please forgive me as I am running around words. It's been the most brutal week and I cannot form a complete sense in my head and Taylor's been so nice to me. Uh, but my my apologies for, for my brainlessness today. But can you think of like anything that could actually change or help with this? Because I think a lot of us aren't familiar with what those technologies are or or what could be done at a state or government level to help out. Um, yeah, um, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not too um, familiar with um, sort of the policies and sort of renditions that they have in place. Um, but one thing I probably can make a comment on is just making sure that, um, especially for children who suffer, you know, with um, lung problems and um, chronic illness, just making sure that things are more disposable and making sure that things are more affordable. Um, That'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I do have insurance. I do have fairly good insurance and um, having to pay for medication every single month is such a drag <laughs> to put it, to put it shortly. Yeah, I, I hear you. My son had very bad asthma when he was little and it was before the um, American Care Act and we would have to pay hundreds of dollars every month for inhalers and nebulizers. Yeah, it, it is expensive, very, very um, expensive. And unfortunately, it isn't covered under all insurances. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, as insulin, you know, diabetics who need insulin and they don't have insurance and then they have to pay all this money out of pocket. And, you know, we're all like, this should be something that should already be supplied. I, I hear you completely. And for those of you in our international audience, we are both here in the United States. And even though the ACA passed, it got gutted and a lot of us are... Uh, stuck not knowing whether our medicine will or ever will be again covered. So there's that. <laughs> not a political statement, everyone, by the way. That is just pure fact. And mm -hmm. I just have the radical idea that people should not die because they don't have insurance or don't have good insurance. Anyway, <laughs> so you have um, coping mechanisms. What are they? <laughs> oh, um. So as far as day-to-day, um, -day, um, or just um, really, I really only use these um, in the case of an emergency, um, it would definitely be sure to, you know, have your air filtered and um, avoid um, what you know that your stimulants are. Um, as I so by air filtered, are you meaning like something that's in your room that's an air filter or... Um, it can be for certain people. Luckily, I don't have to do that. I just have to make sure that um, whatever is in my general vicinity, it's not um, something that I know can be a stimulant. So for me, um, it's obviously different with every kid. Um, some get triggered to um, like animal hair, some get triggered to, you know, pollen, um, some get triggered to, you know, like dust and mold and all these other things. Um, I pretty much cover almost everything. So I'm on this, I'm on that spectrum. Um, so coping 
definitely again just making sure that you're aware um, of your surroundings and I've it's happened to me numerous times where I've walked into situations that I probably shouldn't have and it ended up costing me um big time explain costing because I, I'm not sure if, like if you're around perfume or chemicals is that a an issue or um perfume I haven't luckily I haven't had an issue issue with that um definitely for me it's definitely um animal hair um mold uh grass things like that um but again when I say costing so a time dimension um last month I was visiting um my cousin in Scottsdale she has an apartment um and she does have an animal it was she has a bunny um but I thought that wasn't going to be an issue so yeah, I went and I had stayed the night and it was um, 12 hours of, you know, just feeling like I was literally going to die <laughs> from suffocation. And I'm, I kid you not, people always say I'm exaggerating, but if you've ever dealt with asthma, then you know, um, being able to not breathe is very uncomfortable. So how do you move around the world to go to friend's house? Like, do you have to just have everyone come to your house? <laughs> um, I just like try to figure out like with animal hair like you can't even get into a car unless you know that they don't have pets that have been in the car no yeah some sometimes you know I'll have to ask people beforehand like hey do you have this around your house do you have this um do you have an animal um and if they're all like yeah I'm all like okay well you know I probably might not be able to come but if you want to come over here then we could totally do <laughs> So how do you handle that with cars or with Uber? Um, do you make sure that the cars don't take animals or? Um, luckily I've only um, used car services like that a few times and I've never really had any problems. Um, but yeah, they do have it listed on Uber or Lyft like that. Okay. Like they have a service animal or anything of that kind. So, you know, I be sure to like stray away from that. That's, yeah, that's a, it, that's another complication to the service animal debate. That's a very interesting, interesting yeah. point I have not considered before. But Tyler, is there anything you wanted to go through or talk about that we haven't, haven't gone to? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I pretty much think that we, we covered mostly everything, everything that's wrong with me. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. You've been so patient with me today. I'm sorry I am not at even 80%, but I really wanted to talk to you today. Um, and if you go over to the show notes, everyone who's listening, I will link up everything that we've been talking about. And hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about maybe if there's some way that you can help out Tyler and her mission, because it's a pretty amazing mission. Uh, thank you, everyone. Please tune in next week. Be kind, be gentle, be a badass.